uh, our forgiveness as Christ has forgiven you. We need to understand how Christ has forgiven us. And that's why we spent several weeks looking at the free, unconditional forgiveness that God gives us in Christ by his grace for his glory. Not based on our performance, not based on our activity, not based on how good we are, how much we confess or how much we pray or how much we promise not to do it again, but rather based upon the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ as God uh, has forgiven us. Um, as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We're to keep in our minds uh, how Christ has forgiven us. And then let that renewed mind, uh, let that knowledge, let that doctrine renew our minds so that it will transform the way we live with other people, with one another, with our spouses, with our children, with the people on the job, the friends in the neighborhood, the enemies in our neighborhood, with other brothers and sisters and our local assembly and members of the body of Christ. When you realize how greatly you've been forgiven, how could you hold a grudge against someone else? How could you not forgive what others have done to you? When I sit and think about how much God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me, and he did it freely by his grace, how could I possibly not forgive what others might do to me? Well, understanding forgiveness is important so we can understand how to forgive others, how to live this way, how to treat others the same way we've been treated. And we talked to you last time about the fact we can, you can forgive. A man asked me one time, he said, Brother Rick, could you talk to me a minute? I, I have somebody I, I, I must forgive. Uh, and I said, no, 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 that, that's not it. It's not that you have somebody you must forgive. You have somebody you can forgive. You see, the grace of God, not simply coming and putting a requirement on you, but putting an enablement within you. Uh, you can deal with the wrongs that are done to you. You can do just what God says to do. You can send them away to Calvary. Uh, you can put the issue to rest. You can understand that the account has been settled. And you cannot hold those things against others. Now, remember that, that uh, we talked about what forgiveness is not. And frankly, one of the reasons that people don't exercise and live in this in this wonderful uh, attitude of forgiveness is is often because they they don't understand what forgiveness is because they misunderstand what it is not forgiveness is not justifying other people's behavior forgiveness is not uh, excusing something that someone has done to you it's not explaining away their behavior it isn't even asking god to forgive them it's not understanding them. It's not forgetting what they did. It's not asking uh, them to forgive you. It's not denying that, that you've been hurt by what they did or that you've been sinned against or wronged. It's, it's not going to someone and telling them that, that you've forgiven them. None of those things is forgiveness. Forgiveness, now get this clearly in your understanding, forgiveness is choosing to give up resentment. When someone has wronged me, I simply give up my right to get even with them. You see, true forgiveness is a decision based on an act of your will done by faith before God 
in which you give up the right to hold another person accountable for the wrong that they've done. And that's important that you understand exactly what forgiveness is because when you understand what it is, then you can understand that you can do it. But not only can you do it, you can be the first to do it. You see, forgiveness sets us free. Forgiveness liberates us from the the person or the thing that has wronged us, that has offended us, that has hurt us. We all carry about, my friend, the, the, the baggage of emotional scars wherein we've been hurt and damaged and, and, and offended. That's natural. We have, a, we have a natural reaction. Either we, we get angry or we internalize uh, the, the anger and we, we get resentful. Uh, anger, by the way, is not a sin. Paul says, be angry and sin not. It's how you handle the anger that is the sin, can make it sin. You see, if you couldn't get angry about something, you, you, anger is a motivator. Anger and fear are great motivators, just as love and hate are. And, and there, there are, just as there are some things that we're to hate, and there are some things that we're to love, there are some things that we're to fear, and there's some things we're to be angry about. And anger is not in itself a sinful emotion. Uh, that's why Paul says, be angry and sin not handle the anger, focus the anger on the problem, not the person, respond to the anger properly. Let anger be a motivator to cause you to go and deal with the issue, but you deal with it on the basis of God's grace to you, not on the basis of human viewpoint and what you want to do or how you feel about it. And forgiveness sets you free. Uh, If you're unwilling to forgive someone, and exercise this wonderful divine operating asset of grace, well, then then, then the problem binds you to the person or, or the event that you refuse to forgive. They're like a hook in your jaw that you never can get away from. Forgiveness is what releases you from emotional bondage and mental bondage to the offender or to the offense. That's why forgiveness is a key element in the issue of emotional stability. Uh, the, the whole issue of, uh, of, of our lives as believers. And this is where uh, salvation gets into our experience, our identity of who we are in Christ gets into our experience in life when we begin to apply our identity as forgiven people to the relationships that we have about us. Forgiving is the path to reconciliation, It's not the same as reconciliation. Sometimes, though you would exercise forgiveness, reconciliation isn't possible because reconciliation takes two people, two individuals willing to put the matter back together. But forgiveness is for you to put the issue to rest, to settle the matter where you are ready and prepared for reconciliation. Thus, forgiveness is the basis for restored relationships. That's why Paul says here, if any man have a quarrel with another, <laughs> forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel with any, he understood that we're going to have, you know, you rub your hands together and you get a little heat, friction it's called. Paul understood that in human relationships, even among believers in a local assembly at Colossae, he understood that personal relationships sometimes would be bruised, and we do things to one another that offend and upset, and therefore we are free 
to have reconciliation and to, to grow beyond the problems by the exercise of forgiveness, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel, you can assume you're going to have quarrels. Um, you'll have them in your marriage. You'll have them among your family. You'll have them among your neighbors. You'll have them in the local assembly. It's how you deal with them. And the first issue in dealing with them is forgiveness. Now, we've already seen, and I remind you today, that there are four sort of prerequisites to, to minister uh, and to practice a forgiving spirit. Number one, you've got to be saved. You, you need to understand what it means to be a forgiven person. Then you need to have the assurance of your salvation. You need to be confident in the forgiveness that God has given you in Christ, that it is total and that it is complete and that it is your present possession, that you are completely and totally forgiven because the cross completely dealt with all of your sins. And you understand that it's not given to you in a piecemeal way, but that you have complete, total forgiveness of all of your sins, past, present, and future. And then you need to know and have confidence in your acceptance with God. You need to understand that your forgiveness is unconditional. It's given to you on the basis of grace, not on the basis of your performance, on the basis of what you do, on the basis of your merit, but it's all given to you on the basis of what Jesus Christ did. That makes it a wonderful thing. Understanding that, that you're saved, that your forgiveness is complete and total, and that your acceptance before God is in Christ, not in yourself. It's unconditional, not based on a performance that you do, but upon the work that he did. Then you, you, you have to face the issue of surrender. You have to make a conscious decision to give God absolute ownership of your life as his child. Not telling God what, what you're, you're, you're willing to do for him, but telling God that he can do anything he wishes with you. Now that's what Romans 12 is talking about when he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I ask of you, brethren, by the mercies of God, on the basis of what God has done for you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, you could never make yourself holy, could you? You could never make yourself acceptable to God. You've tried, you've failed. How do you become holy? Well, God makes us holy in Christ. How do we become acceptable to God? We're accepted in the Beloved. You see, he's talking about presenting yourself to God, surrendering yourself to Him on the basis of the identity that God gives you in His Son. Just make a conscious choice to live in the light of the reality of who God says you are in His Son. Make a conscious decision to give God that absolute ownership of your life that He created you in Christ to have. He says, by grace you saved through faith that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, we've been created in Christ as new creatures, live in that new identity that God has given us in his Son. That's how we learn and we, we apply and we practice the ministry of forgiveness 
to others. Now, our natural tendency in life is to is to process things by thinking about them, deciding how we feel about it, and then taking actions based on our feelings. Did you notice at Romans 12 when he says, present yourself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service? He goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, listen now, by the renewing of your mind. You know, if you're listening to this radio station today, you probably have, if you're listening to this Bible study program, you probably have some interest in doing God's will. If you're a child of God, I know that you, you're concerned about that. Christian people worry about things that uh, non-believers don't worry about, you know. You worry about doing God's will, pleasing God, having your life be acceptable to Him. And we don't want to be conformed to the world, but we want to be transformed. Now, what religion does is it gives you a list of rules and regulations and says if you live up to that and you'll be okay, and God says you'd try that and you just fail. Now, you know you'll just fail because you've tried it and you failed, haven't you? <laughs> you know that. But you notice this verse tells you, not it doesn't tell you live up to these standards. It doesn't say don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, period. It tells you how that transformation comes. By the renewing of your mind. Now, you have to understand there is a thinking process, a, th a thinking process based upon a renewed way of looking at things, a re-educated mind. Educated in what? Educated in the grace of God. Paul says the grace of God that, appears, uh, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, there is be not conformed to this world, that we should live soberly, righteously, and justly, and, 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 and godly. There's be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. See that? How does it come? It comes by putting on this renew, this mind that is renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, in the understanding. Have some doctrinal understanding. Now, that's not our natural way. Naturally, we think about something, and then we decide how we feel about it, and then we take action based on the way we feel about it. Now, that is a is a process that gets you into, into trouble, isn't it? Your feelings are, are seldom right. In fact, can I say to you, and I'll not try to be unkind, but I'll just say it plainly because time gets away, your feelings are dumb. Your feelings are, well, they're just plain stupid, frankly. Uh, your feelings can't distinguish between the true and the false. They can't distinguish between past, present, and future. They can't distinguish between reality and fantasy. Why well, sit down in front of a, a monster movie or a horror movie, a Frankenstein movie. I can remember when I was just a, a youngster, uh, 10, 11 years old, I went to a, a, a movie. Uh, my dad took my brother and I to the Loop Theater in Mobile, Alabama. We got out and went up to the theater window, paid our 90 cents, and that tells you how long ago it was. And we went in and watched a Frankenstein movie. And I can remember uh, when the monster came on the, the screen getting so afraid that I literally got down on the floor and tried to crawl underneath the, the seat there in the theater as a child. And that event so anchored itself in my emotional psyche that today, over 40 years later, I can still remember the exact event. I can remember the, the, the grunge of the floor under the seat and the, the, the sense and the smell and the horror of it. Now, when the movie was over, the lights came on, everybody applauded and went home because it wasn't real. But 40 years later, my emotions still 
can be distraught by it. You see, emotions can't distinguish between fantasy and reality. They're, they're dumb. They don't know how to do that. They can't d- distinguish between something that's true. I mean, it was just a movie. <laughs> you know, somebody says, well, I feel so. Well, that's just, wow, I felt real bad, but it was just a movie. It wasn't what reality was. And yet my emotions couldn't tell the difference between whatever I, what, what you're thinking, what you're projecting onto the screen of your mind is what your emotions respond to. Because emotions are, they're not just dumb, they are responders. They respond to what you think. Now, you don't have to follow this process of thinking and then letting your emotions tell you how you feel and then taking actions based on how you feel. The way you are designed by God to operate is for you to think about something. But think about it from a renewed mind perspective. Have godly thinking. Where do you get that? You get that out of the Word of God rightly divided. You have your mind fortified with sound doctrine. Then you take action through faith in Christ, through faith in God's Word, through faith in what the Bible says is true. And then godly emotions, not emotions authored by your old sin nature to make you feel shame and rejection or pride and, and, and so forth, but godly emotions will follow. The proper way of conducting life is to think about it, think based upon truth, take action based upon faith in truth, and then have your feelings be the servants of your will. Your feelings are not designed to sit upon the throne of your life. They're designed to be the willing servants of your will. And your will is designed to operate based upon the truth of God's Word rightly divided. You don't have to follow the process of thinking, feeling, and acting out of your feelings. But there's a crisis of your will that, that, that is required. Um, there, there's a surrender of your will to the truth of God's Word that, to making the proper decision regardless of how you feel about it. You see, you can short-circuit your emotions and put them aside and do what you think. Take your actions based out of your thinking. How do I know that? The alarm clock goes off on Monday morning. Do you always feel like getting up? Hot dog, it's another week. I get to go to work this morning. Well, most of the time you probably don't feel that way, but do you get up anyway? Certainly you do. You get up and you go to work and you do the things that you have to do, whatever they might be. Why? Because there is, there's something beyond your feelings that you're living by. You've made a conscious choice of your will to do something based upon a thinking process, and you look at your emotions and say, I won't, I'll lay you aside, and I'll do what I've decided to do. You see, you can do it. Now, forgiveness has nothing to do with our emotions because forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice of faith. Get a hold of that. It's not how you feel. It's how you choose to respond to the truth of God's Word. That's the issue. You don't have to labor to change your feelings. You submit your will to the Word of God and to the truth of God, and you'll find that your feelings will come in line with the actions that you take. So you think like God thinks. As Christ forgave you, 
understand how he forgave you, so do you take action based on faith and the truth of what God says, and then you'll find that your life responds and, 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 and uh, progresses in the course of godliness, and godly emotions can follow after that. That's why Paul says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You see, it's as we live out of the gratitude to God for His goodness to us that life takes on uh, the, the, uh, the, the capacity to honor and glorify Him. Let me give you a free Bible study tape about forgiveness that I, I, I know will help you. Learning to forgive is the key to emotional stability. It's the key to freedom from the tyranny of emotional revolt. It's the key to, in, to ongoing relationships with others. It's the key to personal peace. My friend, you can move from the malaise of the misery of self-absorbed self-pity to the, to the marvel of the ministry of the grace of God by learning and, and resting and, and, and rejoicing in the privilege of forgiving. The freedom, the peace, the victory, the reconciliation that God gives us in Christ can be applied in the relations of your life, and you can choose to be the first to do it. You can choose by faith, not based on the actions of others, but by faith in what God says to do and rejoice in this grace also. Let me give you this free Bible study tape, Be the First to Forgive. Simply call us here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. And request your free copy of the, the tape on forgiveness. Uh, the title is uh, Be the First to Forgive. That's the title of the Bible study. I'd like to put it in your hands. It's my gift to you, uh, my contribution to you to help you gain the peace and the freedom and the, and the joy that is in, in Christ for you in your daily life. Be the first to forgive. If you've ever struggled with the issue of forgiveness, of being forgiven or of forgiving others, this is a Bible study you need in your life. You call us here, 888-535-2300. That's the number to call. We'll be glad to give it to you so that you get a copy of this study. If you would rather, or, or you do, uh, surf the web, we're on the gr Internet at uh, graceimpact.org. Graceimpact.org is the website. If you'd like to use snail mail, you can, of course, write me at the Riches of Grace, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. Easiest thing to do is just get on the horn, call, call the toll-free number, 888-535-2300, and the folks that answer the phone will be glad to, uh, uh, to see that you get your copy of uh, Be the First to Forgive. And by the way, uh, I've said to you before, this study is a part of a six-hour uh, teaching uh, series on forgiveness matters. That's the title of the, of the, of the teaching series. Uh, that series sells for $16. I can't give you that, but the folks that answer the phone can tell you how that you could uh, order a copy of, of, of the six hours of teaching if you're interested in that. But get the free study regardless. 888-535-2300. You may know someone that needs to hear that information that we've talked about today. 888-535-2300. That's the number to call to get your copy of the Bible study. I also want you to know that there are folks in your area meeting right here where you live, right where you're listening to this radio station, this weekend, who rejoice in the message of God's grace, 
who rejoice in the in in, in the the truth of total forgiveness, uh, who who uh, rejoice in the the uh, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth, who enjoy and make the grace life the issue in their in their assembly. If you don't have an assembly to attend this weekend in your life for your yourself and your family to participate in, where the word of God is taught rightly divided, where the message of grace is clearly proclaimed, and where the grace life is the issue, then let me put you in touch with these folks. Friend, if you don't have that kind of an assembly for you to be in or for your family to be in, you're robbing yourself and your family if you have one. And these folks would do you good. In fact, they're doing you good right now. They're the ones who put this uh, radio program on this station and uh, pay for the airtime so that I can be here teaching. You can be there listening. You call us, and I'll put you in touch with them. And uh, I, I assure you, you'll, you'll be profited when you fellowship together with other believers around the wonderful message of God's wonderful grace to us in Christ. The number to call, again, is 888-535-2300. We're certainly happy to have you listening with us today. I, I hope you're telling other folks about the studies and getting them listening in with you. Be a little missionary and, and help us get the word out. Till we meet again this same time next week, it's always my pleasure and my privilege to look forward to that. Until then, Maranatha. Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. Faith comes by hearing the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com. Alexa, tune in, iHeart, and radio.com. Faith comes by hearing the new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Florida's most powerful voice in Christian talk radio. 50,000 watts. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. WTLN Orlando. W26ACT Orlando. Where faith comes by here. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
Well, because of us following the Lord, we want to follow him appropriately. And so he comes alongside and he says, I'd like to share with you how that you can have a better life and also have better relationships with other people. And he does that in this great book here. It's called the Bible. Now, the Bible isn't a book to take away our fun. It's actually a book to show us how that we can have a very enriching life, a life with a lot more joy in it if we learn what it has to say. And by faith, at times we just don't understand, but we just do what God says. You know, God really blesses us. Now, we've been studying one particular book in the Bible, which is the book of James. And that happens to be the wisdom book or the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. And we're in a section of scripture, James chapter 4, and it's a section on judging other people. But the Lord doesn't just say, don't judge other people. He also says, yes, you ought not to judge other people, but let me show you how to break the habit of judging other people. And when we learn to do that, it brings more joy to ourselves and it strengthens and makes healthier relationships with others when we learn not to judge other people. It's so nice to pastor people that you don't have to worry about what they're saying about him behind their back. And even if you did, I know that God will take care of me and God will take care of you and together we're going to build each other up. So today we're going to learn about how to break the bad habit of judging other people. And I know that we all do it from time to time and after we do, we really hate it. When we hear someone else doing it, we feel like that's stink talk and we don't want to do stink talk with other people. In the middle 60s, there was a book that was written by a gentleman named Eric Byrne. You might remember the book. It was called Games People Play. Shortly after that, it seems like there's always a takeoff from Christian writers on what the world writes. And so he wrote a book. Another person wrote a book called Games Christians Play. It was a very interesting game because it was talking about games that Christians play. Christians play a lot of games. But I think the most deadliest game that Christians can play is the game of playing God. And we do that often when we begin to judge other people. And it's very easy to see that in Scripture. We need to learn that when we are beginning to judge other people, we set ourselves up as playing God in their life and sometimes even come to the point of not just analyzing them or critiquing them. We step over that line out of bounds and we get into condemning them. And that's really not a good thing to do. Let me just take you to a portion of Scripture that we're going to look at as our base. But we're going to cover a lot of verses today.